everybody, and welcome, 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 and one more time, welcome to Oh This Podcast. I give you just welcome seventeen times. Seventeen times? That was like five or six. We'll do. We'll close with as many as many welcomes <laughs> as possible. Steve, welcome to the episode today. Thank you for joining us remotely we're doing this over the interwebs you know your best cat photos and gifts that you can go over um, yeah i've got to add my free hours of aol here so that uh, we can keep this rolling absolutely i got prodigy lined up just in case i run out of internet space <laughs> folks supporters non-supporters haters whatever we love you we're glad you're here and this is a magical episode because it is our number 17 episode there is not a day that goes by that I am amazed that they haven't pulled us off this network yet for 17 <laughs> episodes. Uh, you know, we got a better run than like, uh, I don't know, Home Improvement 2, <laughs> if that's a thing. But episode yeah. 17, we, we are- certainly have a, uh, we're, you know, we're getting the, uh, you know, we've got almost a full season run right now you yeah. know, the, of the standard 90s sitcom. Yes, absolutely. Ha ha ha. Laugh track, laugh track, laugh track, <laughs> laugh track. But episode 17, we're in our Chris Mullen episode. Steve, thanks for being here. Give us the metadata and then jump into the beer of the week for everybody Most who definitely. might be following us. Most definitely. So uh, if you want to uh, check us out on the interwebs, as Patrick mentioned before, you can check us out at ohthispodcast.com. Uh, that's where you can catch uh, all the episodes. You can also subscribe to us on uh, iTunes or on uh, on uh, Google Play. Uh, we like that too. Uh, you, if you'd like to leave us a review on either one of those, uh, you know, feel free. Share that, uh, you know, with uh, all of your uh, friends and family and enemies, or you know, just anyone you feel like would uh, either benefit or uh, or take something away from the show. Uh, you can also catch us on Facebook or on Twitter. And uh, if you feel like supporting the show, go ahead and uh, hit us up on Patreon. We've got uh, a bunch of different uh, opportunities and ways to uh, support the show there. Yeah, absolutely. The marketing department taught us how to Facebook Live today. So you go over there and see <laughs> us, you know, in the behind the scenes pre-prep episodes. So. It's just, it's just a, a, a video of your crotch. Story of my life. <laughs> anyway, anyway, what are we drinking? What's the beer of the week this week for yeah. our Chris Mullen episode? I hear it's well, his favorite for, beer, so it's yeah, I perfect. Think I'm I'm pretty sure that we can just uh, we'll speak for him. Uh, this week uh, we're going uh, back out to the East Coast, and uh, one uh, one that I haven't personally had in a little while here, and uh, we are rolling with Dogfish 60 Minute IPA, and it's uh, their flagship beer, um, and it's one uh, definitely one of the beers that uh, I can say was uh, a beer that kind of uh, dragged me into the craft beer scene. Uh, I, re I remember having it back in 2008, 2009, and just thinking, oh, yeah, this is really good, and uh, wound up taking a trip out there and checking out their wonderful uh, brewing facility out in the great state of Delaware. Ooh. And, uh, yeah, Delaware. just a... I'm in Delaware. <laughs> I only made that joke 46 times on that trip, so it, it worked out. It didn't. It landed every time. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, just a, a session style uh, IPA. Uh, it clocks in at about six percent, so it's not a uh, not a beer that's going to end your day if you uh, have a couple two or you know two or three of those. Um, it features Warrior Amarillo and a Mystery Hop. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, a, a pretty much a, a, you get a nice big citrus flavor, um, out of it and a citrus aroma as well, but it's really not an extreme beer. Um, it's kind of one of those, uh, flagship, like legendary type beers that, uh, uh, really is good for, um, people that are not fond of like overly hoppy beers. I think a lot of people hear IPA 
and they think that they're just going to get blasted with like a crazy bitter beer. That's, and that's uh, me. That's yeah, me. That's exactly. What I'm afraid and, of. and it's not that. It's a it's a very well balanced, well put together beer. It's got a good malt backbone to it. Um, yeah, and it's just a, a a really solid overall choice. I mean, you can't can't go wrong with it. It comes in bottles. Uh, you can pick up sixers of it. I think just about nationwide. Uh, Dogfish Head's a pretty big brand. Um, and Rate Beer, they've got it pegged at 97. Beer Advocates got it at 91. Both uh, very strong ratings and uh, worthy of our 17th episode where we're going to roll into some very fun topics. That's week. awesome. That's awesome. Before we jump into segment one, just real talk, uh, Mystery Hop. That was my college nickname. <laughs> that, that's your uh, your basketball nickname? Yep. <laughs> Mystery Hops. Where do they go? They're not that high. They're not that low. <laughs> But where do they go? The mystery hops. So without further ado, or something along those lines. <laughs> I was trying to how to like do like the commencement like speech and then the yeah, Notre Dame it, fight it, song and then uh, screw it. Steve, what are we talking about? Well, Patrick, we are gonna talk about uh some times here. You and I are obviously both uh, you know, avid sports fans, and uh we talk a little bit about some times where we were surprised. Uh, or some uh, also just kind of got to witness some uh, serious comebacks in the uh, sports arena. So we just kind of run through some of our uh, either very improbable sports moments or very improbable sports comebacks, whether they were successful or not. Yeah, the you're you're specifically talking about the 1947 Helsinki curling match mm. between Latvia and Poland, right? No, oh, I mean, I mean, that's just we don't that ages. we'll just take that we one off the table. One we'll just take that one off the table straight away. Okay, so top sports comebacks. I think number one for me, um, it, it's interesting. It's going to go to baseball, and the so you're re- going to jump. You're going to go straight to number one. You're not going to roll the. You're not going to tease us in with a five. You're going to go right for the. I don't have five. I, I have like these are like some of the top. Well, that's two what I'm that, saying you're going. You go straight for the gold. You straight don't have for the a, gold. I'm not doing yep. like bronze, silver. We're we're not doing any participation trophies for this. This is going to be 100 <laughs> awesome. It it's straight out. Take a look at the 2011 World Series, and the reason it's not only a comeback of epic proportions, it's the game itself it's think about the game the series so st louis cardinals make it to play texas and texas i believe that was josh hamilton nelson cruz mm-hmm. like a big like texas ron washington had them primed for everything to win like nolan ryan had you know was behind the curtains being the wizard he was and he had a team that should have won that thing and so the world series starts and texas jumps out to a 3-2 lead they go back to st louis for game six and the the way that i have it here in my notes is it's game six game six in st louis in october uh two outs the count is one and two mm-hmm. the cardinals are down seven five in the bottom of the ninth down three two in the series and david freeze comes up and gets an extra bag double basically a triple crushes a triple off the right field wall to tie the game when they were had one strike left in the game, right. bottom of the ninth. It's absolutely crazy. The game goes into extra innings. In the 10th, Josh Hamilton hits, just dings a two-run home run for his first home run of the entire series. I, I think it was the series. It might have been the playoffs. Makes it 9-7. Right. So the Cardinals come back in the 10th. They get a run. So it's 9-8. Lance Berkman comes up with 2-2. The count is 2-2. Two and two. And two runners on, 
and two outs. So they're down to their last strike again. He hits a bloop single to center to tie the game at nine to nine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Game goes into the ninth inning or to the 11th inning, tied nine, nine. And who comes up to bat, but none other than David Freeze in the 11th inning. And David Freeze on a full count hits a solo home run. Cardinals win 10, nine force game seven after being now they've tied the series at three, three force game seven. They go to game seven and win six to two and win their, what is it? Their sixth uh, world series. Yeah. I think of their time. Yeah. Sorry about that. (laughs) Um, But I remember listening to that, like, and that was like, even if you were just like a novice fan, like seeing those games where it's like, you're down to one strike twice. Sure. Oh yeah. It was a phenomenal series. And it was like, Texas gave everything like he, uh, the Cardinals bats weren't starting and stuff like that. And like David freeze became a household name, took big money right. after with that. And then has since done nothing, since not done, done much. But, yeah. Uh, but like hey, everyone gets their moment, I guess. Yeah. And so for me, that was like, that was one of the ones that I can remember, you know, cause I was listening to game six on the radio. I was streaming it on like, I think tune in, while I was at the office listening to it on big speakers and stuff like that, not because I mm-hmm. had to, because I wanted to. And it was like, it took me back to like those moments of like baseball in the World Series. There's lots of people who just listen to it on the radio, and that's the way you do it. The television broadcasts can be great, but like the radio broadcasts are good. So I was listening yeah. to streaming KMOX, uh, uh, you know, the Cardinal radio station. So that, yeah. <laughs> With my guy, former White Sox broadcaster, I think John Rooney is on there. Uh, maybe. I think maybe. he calls the games now. Well, he left, he left the Sox after the, I think after 05, but so rolling, continuing baseball trends. Uh, I'll, I'll give my world series one. Uh, please do. Please so do. In, in 2005, you know, obviously my, my White Sox uh, finally managed uh, a, our uh, freak season where they wound up finding themselves with just one of the best pitching performances in playoff history, but uh, um, made their way to the world series. I went to the one game, of course, that they lost in that playoff run. Uh, but uh, so game two, I'm, I'm down at the bears game that day. It's a Sunday, Sunday, you know, game, Sunday evening game. And uh, we're, I'm like, I'm all, it's like, I got to get my ass home to, you know, I think it was bears Ravens went to overtime in the rain. Oh, that sucks. I mean, and, and granted at the time the bears were, were, you know, decent. So it was worth staying for, but it's like, Hey, I need to get my ass home at least to watch, you know, the tail end of the, the, the Sox game. For sure. And we were following it on the radio and as best we could, but uh, yeah. So I am, I take the train back from Chicago, like all the way back up to the suburbs um, we go out to dinner, we're watching the game there and I'm like, all right, cool. Like the, you know, the Sox aren't, you know, they're losing, but you know, whatever. I'm just happy they're in the world series. For sure. Point. For sure. Cause it's um, been so many years. And so, we're, you know, we go out to dinner, we're driving back home. I walk back to my parents' house. I walk in the door. And as I turn around the corner to like, to the living room where the TV is, my parents obviously have the game on and I see the pitch come across the plate and Canerco send it bases loaded. The Sox chasing six, two ties the game with a grand slam. Insane. And I about lost my shit because obviously I've never gotten to see that in my lifetime. Paul Canerco being one of my favorite players of all time. Um, and just, you know, everything all wrapped together. And this However, is, this is pre DVR moments too. Like right. you, they didn't time it. So you could come in there. You just happened to walk in. It right was, at that serendipitous a- moment. Absolutely perfect timing. So that was the first the first action of that game. So like that tied the game up. 
And then shortly thereafter, in the bottom of the ninth, Scott Pitsednik, who he who hit zero home runs the entire <laughs> regular season, hit one against Boston in the first game of the playoffs, then comes up against Brad Lidge, who I think, I believe, had 42 saves that year, like an ERA he was unstoppable like around that year. two, yeah. just a filthy, filthy closer. But in the playoffs, he surrendered one of the I, it's a it's a ball that's still currently orbiting around this planet mm-hmm. because Albert Pujols yep. hit a ball that is it's one hundred percent a satellite of of this. That's of this exactly right that's exactly where I was gonna go with that because that hit was insane. And, and that's still to this day one of my favorite home runs I've ever seen. However, you go up and you figure, okay, it's Scott Pitsednik. Lidge comes up, grooves him a just grooves him a fucking fastball down down Main Street. Pitsednik puts it like two rows back (laughs) on a walk-off in the ninth inning to win game two, put the Sox up two nothing. And then they ended up going on to sweep. Yes. Yeah. So because they were playing Houston. So it's, um, so it's not as though like it, I mean, it was, it was a comeback, but I mean, that one's just uh, improbable from the fact that it's like, you have a guy who literally did not hit a home run during the regular season who winds up walking you off and, in in you know the bottom of the ninth of game two of the world series for sure now my question to you is like sometimes you have like in sports where we have series is the series like what's more important to you like in your perspective like a series comeback down three two and then coming or down three one coming back to win like in a game seven or is it just like is it an exciting you get down in a game as exciting as being down multiple games in a series? Like the I, I whole think it Cleveland amps up yeah. through like the obviously the further you advance, if it's a series, the you know the more pressure you feel and the more amped up you get about those things. Um, being game two, like I said, like being down six to two at that point in time when Canerco tied it up, like I was upset, but I wasn't like you know, on the edge of despair and they're like, Oh crap, you know, white Sox are going to go one and one in this series. Like I was perfectly fine if that was going to be the case. Split, um, split, take it at home. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Like that's why you, they figure, play an odd number. you figure you're going to drop one or two games in a series like that. But uh, yeah. So I think it just amps up as the series goes along. For sure. For sure. I know that was baseball for us. Um, the next one that I want to go to in a comeback is think back to 2000 and there's no, Mm -hmm. like I didn't purposely pick the correlation because they were St. Louis teams. Um, I I wasn't a Rams fan or anything. I was rooting for the Titans, but that was the year the, what is it that the miracles are the music city miracle with uh, Frank Wycheck throwing it back. And there was it Tennessee was playing Buffalo. I think it was in the AFC wildcard game and just started to take in. Uh, just beat on people through the AFC. And that team was loaded. I mean, Steve McNair, Eddie George, Kevin Dyson, they had mm-hmm. a amazing and one of the greatest tight ends of all time. And Frank Wycheck. Like they had they had a great team. And so it was like this, like it was that Super Bowl. They made it to the Super Bowl and they were going to play the Rams. And I think that was the start of the greatest show on turf. If not, that was the that was their first Super Bowl mm-hmm. that then propelled them, right? Um, where it was Super Bowl 34, Kurt Warner and everything like that. It was amazing. Um, but that comeback was insane. That game was back and forth a little bit. Coming into the final drive of the game, the Rams are up 23-16. to 16. Titans are down. Steve McNair has the ball. I think it, was, it started off as just like a normal, you know, they started on their 20. They started driving with two minutes left, three minutes left. Mm-hmm. And they kept on going and going and going. And on third and five from the Rams' 30-yard line, Steve McNair – 
uh, takes a snap from shotgun, goes back, almost is tackled twice, evades tacklers uh, to complete like a 30-yard pass uh, to Kevin Dyson to make a first and goal on the 10-yard line with, at first it was five seconds, then they said it was six, so they put another second back on the clock to set up one last shot at the end zone to tie it and then force it into overtime. And so you're sitting there first and goal on the 10-yard line, and McNair drops back uh, to the middle and throws a nice bomb slant right at Kevin Dyson, and Kevin Dyson makes a move. He cuts a little short, and it's that that you know, I can see it burned in my image of that Sports Illustrated cover where he's stretching oh, yeah. full arms, toes, everything, and the ball is one yard short, and they fall to St. Louis, and St. Louis obviously time expires on that play and runs it out. That was a Super Bowl that I will always remember as being super excited. But there were other com- like exciting ones recently that had the Patriots in there. Oh, yeah. I mean, that one is – that's an all-timer. That That's – this Patriots one is probably the best one that's ever been. The you know, at least Falcons, Patriots, Falcons. This last one, yeah, it sucks because it's the Patriots, though. Uh, I'm I'm not a hater, so. Well, I was hoping I was hoping the Falcons could actually do that, but, but uh, they did. Yeah, I mean, so my football one goes back a little bit too, and I don't want to don't want to seem homerish, but this was an absolutely epic, right? And for a regular season game. Uh, I, I've I've struggled to see a, too many quite like it because the 2006 Bears were just an interesting football team because of how dominant they were on defense and how mediocre to bad they were offensively. They were um, great on special teams as well. Also great on special teams, yeah. Um, and so regular season against the Cardinals, Monday night football game, Bears are 5-0. and Everyone's amped up. I'm in college at the time. I'm a freshman. Everyone's getting ready to watch the game. And we, I go over to my buddy's dorm where, you know, we've got food. We got everything all loaded up. We're ready to, we're ready to rock. And the bears come out against the Cardinals with Matt Leinart at quarterback and just <laughs> are getting pants That's in the funny. first half. They, they end up, they're chasing 20 Oh, at half Matt Leinart looks like a guy like fucking John Elway. He was a Heisman uh, just, winner. Yeah, but he had no business being where he was oh, I mean, as his career proven. wore out. Um, but uh, so Bear, Bears are just getting pants. And lo and behold, they just chip away. And they I think they forced six turnovers in the game, I believe. So there was the um, – you had a, a Mike Brown fumble recovery for a touchdown. God, that's you an had awesome name. Uh, Brian Erlacher, who played probably the game of his career – I think he had 19 tackles with like multiple for loss, forced a fumble, which Charles Tillman picked up and returned for a touchdown. Then you get a Devin Hester return, 83 yard punt return for a touchdown when teams would still kick to Devin Hester. Um, Bears wind up uh, coming back. And this is obviously the infamous Denny Green game where, you know, the Bears are who we thought they were. Uh, all that stuff. Bears wind up coming back winning 24 23 in regulation. It's insane. That was a great and, season. I mean, the the reaction from went from, you know, halftime just being like, should we even bother continuing to watch this game? Or and going to literally people running through the hallways of this dorm like going bonkers when Devin Hester runs this touchdown back. I mean, it it was probably one of the not necessarily because it's a like a high stakes game, but it was just fun like being in that environment and everyone just going bonkers. Over yeah, it. Monday night and everything. And Devin Hester, anytime he gets that, he gets that seam. 
Like even now, as like the last year, didn't he play with the Seahawks for a little bit? Uh, he, I think he signed. I don't, and I don't remember how much he played. If like at all, maybe but, a couple returns, yeah. but still, because he got cut from the Ravens, I think. Yeah, I remember him just like in that season in the Super Bowl. Is he the first person to ever take a opening kickoff back? Take an opening kickoff back, which was one of my moments that I considered putting on here, but then the Bears got Peyton Manning. So. Yeah, and the it, they just. For anybody that went to that Super Bowl, man, you must hate rain after that. Cause that was oh just, man, that was ugh. it was pitiful. Um, it was pitiful. But, but what so, else? What else you got in terms of? Re- yeah, real quick because we're we're running up on time here. But uh, the the other major ones that I have as far like the like in recent memory are mostly hockey based, just because of how successful the Blackhawks have been the past seven years or so, eight years. Um, so I know that like obviously like the 2010 Cup. Like I know you were pumped because Michael Layton and Patrick Kane. Like yep. you, you got you got to see that. You got to see Layton, you know, get pantsed on a just a horrible angle shot. But, uh, <laughs> Beyond <you> horrible. Know, <laughs> but uh, for me, I've got two separate ones, uh, and I, it's tough to say which one I I enjoyed more. Um, I think I was more excited in 2013 when the Hawks beat the Red Wings because they were they won game one then they go down they choke the next three they go down three one in the series bring it back to force game seven with like a minute and 50 seconds left in the game games tied at one they have a a, just a beautiful passing play Shaw feeds it over to Nicholas Jalmerson who jumps into the play and blasts a shot past Jimmy Howard everyone goes bonkers they think it's two one Hawks with a minute and you know 50 seconds left the shit's over with they wind up calling coincidental minors behind the play because Brandon Saad got tangled up with some bum from the Red Wings. I don't even remember who it was, but they literally put Saad into the, like into the bench, dragged him back out, tackled him down you know, straight onto his back on the ice, got him pinned and Saad threw like a jab up at him and they called coincidental minors on it. So then that wipes that off. They go to overtime and then, on a beautiful check by Dave Boland, the puck just kind of squirts out and Brent Seabrook ends up just potting a slap shot. Like it, it didn't even look like he was tr- putting a, like it was like almost the end of a shift type shot. Sure. And yeah. somehow finds its way past Jimmy Howard and they win that game and go on to win the cup uh, in my next moment, which was the 17 seconds one where that was literally just a dumbfounding one where like I was 100% prepared. Like, all right, we're going to game seven. It is what it is. Like we were actually down the street from you. We were down at Emmett's and just sitting there like all right you know cool like boston's good we know that this game was going to go to seven and then they tie it and you're like all right cool like there's a you know this that's awesome maybe you know maybe they'll you know force something and then literally like immediately squirts out to the neutral zone they get it in and lo and behold dave bowen puts one behind rask and it's over with yeah you just like like it happened so fast and you're just kind of sitting there like you just it would just totally dumbfounded and we're done like this is gonna be it this is over like it's crazy absolutely crazy i remember that series started off with um and i'll be super quick but that like three or four overtime game like the longest was it three four it was almost it was some absurd overtime game like game one yeah i don't i don't remember exactly i mean because there was a thunderstorm with with nashville yeah um yeah, I mean, they're and the, oh, are you talking about like the Red Wings series? No, I'm talking about the first Boston game. Oh, okay. The, yeah, I don't, I don't recall specifically there, but uh, yeah, I mean, just 
just like it was it was truly dumbfounding like to see something happen like that in like that short of a period of time like you never figure that's going to happen in a, like a championship game like a regular season game shit happens like a goofy bounce puck winds up like guys aren't playing at full effort all the time and it's like holy crap like this is over with and now celebrate <laughs> yeah yay we won yay awesome awesome that's very cool that's awesome but patrick right now we have tapped out of our in our improbable sports moments and our comeback so i must give it the final horn and i must give it a <laughs> awesome awesome so now that we're in segment two what are we talking about on segment two well, let's stick with sports because I feel like we've got something going here. Um, but we've got to talk about, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we've got, we've got a wide variety of uh, sports interests, but one that we didn't talk about uh, um, too much uh, in the M- NBA comeback. So uh, let's, let's stick with the NBA and uh, go through top, our top five NBA players. Now, I want to preface this because I don't want I don't want to get a bunch of mentions or anyone coming at me where it's like, oh, you're wrong. How you would you call that a top five player? This is our top five favorite players. It doesn't mean they are the best players. These are these are top five favorite players personally for each one of us. So some of them may end up being you know top five all time players as well. But you know if if we slip in a Muggsy Bogues or something in there because we particularly enjoyed that. It's it's not we're not saying Muggsy Bogues is better than any you know pick a player out of a hat. So don't come uh, at me for liking uh, Vin Baker. You know, yeah, don't exactly. come to Spider like, Monkey. <laughs> okay, okay. If you're gonna if you're gonna start hammering me for Judd Bushler, I'm gonna get a little upset. Dude, Dickie Simpkins, <laughs> that should be on everybody's one. You know, straight up. Okay, so I'll go so first with a couple Patrick, honorable I think mentions. You've got some honorable mentions that you want to get through. Yeah, and I want to take and celebrate the big men. Uh, and I think the reason I'll preface this, I think one maybe, if I'm looking at my list, there is probably one, maybe two people on this list that have played in the 2000s, okay. and. One is a big man that came out of Detroit who also had a short stint with the Bulls, Ben Wallace. Mm-hmm. Great shot blocker. Like, couldn't shoot for anything, but Ooh. amazing defense. Uh, ben Wallace was definitely one of my honorable mentions. Another one is Glenn Rice. You put him on the three-point line in Miami. You put him on there in Charlotte, and he Charlotte. could hit. And I think in L.A. too, right? Um, I think he played he in Houston. Play? or He played a lot. He roamed yeah. around. But you put him on that you, on the wing – Give him a shot. He'll hit almost everything. Um, speaking of hitting shots, I'm not going to say Steph Curry, but I'm going to go to Papa Bear, Del Curry. Ooh. And the reason being is straight up from NBA Jam. Del Curry at NBA oh, yeah. Jam was one of the greatest things. That's why you played the Hornets, because you got him and Glenn Robinson, and you could just you could just own there. Then the next one that I have is – I've got like five of these honorable mentions. I'll do one more, then you could tell me some of yours. How's that sure. sound? I've only got two, so you take your time. Okay. The next honorable mention that I have is the quintessential six-man uh, who could have played uh, – been a 100% starter on any team that he did, but he was Robert Ory. Mr. Playoff. Mr. You Clutch. You were going to go Tony Kukoc. No, no. Not <laughs> there. Not there. Robert Ory, like – San Antonio and Houston, like he single-handedly won championships because of hitting like the clutch shot, Mr. Clutch. Mm-hmm. Again, the last three that I've had on my honorable mentions had the same spot, all on the wing, all shooting the three. Honorable, these are tough. Then I go into my big men, and it's not because I didn't like them as at all or anything. I love these guys, but Shaq, 
and Akeem are on the honorable mention list because I put somebody above them. So Shaq and Akeem changed the Ooh. way uh, basketball was played at that position. Akeem was more of a finesse player. Obviously, Shaq did it all. Um, give Shaq the ball until they hack a Shaq and put him on the line. Then uh, and 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 Shaq had his fair share of offensive fouls, but yeah, that too. Um, and then you go with uh, my man Vince Carter, UNC. Uh, oh, I, I I I'm gonna. I'm going to verbally throw hands with you because I got some problems with that. As an honorable mention? Yeah, I got some real problems. He should be on the list, mention. right? He should be on the list. Yes, he should. And the dunk right there, like where he was in the All-Star game and did the slam dunk competition, put his elbow in and starts hanging from there. Is there? Granted, 100% and a true shooter. Um, but he's off the list for me because my list is basically big men, too. The yeah. last no, two, I, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let it go, but I'm not happy about it. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. A lot of my list follows around defense players too. Uh, the last two honorable mentions I have are Alonzo Mourning and Dennis Rodman. Okay. Um, lunch pail type players played hard for as oh, many Zoe years. Oh, Mourning's a machine. Yeah. Uh, played until their bodies didn't allow them to play. Um, never gave up and. With Dennis Rodman, you could take all of his off-the-court antics and put that there. He always laced up and came hard. Those are my That's my honorable mentions. And for that, I... I we should go back to the previous segment um, to in, improbable sports moments. Dennis Rodman knocking down a three ball. <laughs> yep, exactly. How about Shaq knocking down threes? <laughs> Any right, big so that, man. Is yeah. that, uh, that, those are my your, honorable uh, mentions, yeah. Okay, so my two... Uh, I've got, and, and two, both are, are incredibly legitimate players. One first of all, Penny Hardaway, um, oh, career cut way too short. Unfortunately, a career just kind of derailed uh, by, by injury still had a great career, but, uh, didn't quite get to the point where I think he would have been, had he been able to, you know, have a knee stay together for, you know, a, a consistent period of time. Right. So um, does that make your other honorable mention little Penny? <laughs> which also a major contribution to the, uh, uh, you know, elementary school, Steve, knowing anything about Penny Hardaway. Right. So, um, right. and then <laughs> my other honorable mention, uh, being Kevin Garnett. Oh, good um, one. Which, I didn't even uh, have him on my list, but that's, I mean, yeah. Kevin Garnett's a hall of fame basketball player. Um, just, just, just a, beast. A, a fantastic player. Uh, a guy who had done, done just about any, everything you want to do in the league. Um, and came straight, you know, probably you know, one, you know, one of the shining examples of like a guy coming out of high school and like still being viable in the league. Like they, that run of high school players, um, you know, in, in that time period, you know, you're 1995 through, you know, 2000, what they outlawed in the early 2000s, oh, one, I, think. I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you had that time period where you'd have a lot of high school guys coming in. And I think Kevin Garnett's the, shining star of that you're saying michael oloa candy wasn't <laughs> unfortunately for for michael oloa candy it, it did not his career wasn't quite as nice as uh, kevin garnett kevin garnett a lengthy pier five just tall coming out of farragut chicago a just with nasty, a massive shot I mean, just a, a nasty defender yeah too. just a relentless defender it's tough when you try to put like favorite lists together because you know you're ultimately going to leave people out because mm -hmm. five isn't enough, especially when there were so many good ones. And I know that there's going to be, uh, for me, as we go through these, uh, there's going to be a one that's going to be a shocker. But it's, again, these top fives are not 
the best of all time. It's our personal favorites, and there's the reasons right. why we like them, and so on. Which so, is why I'm not. I won't give you any more flack about Vince Carter. I love Vince Carter, and I love every UNC player. But Steve, tell me who your fifth is. Let's go with you this time. You start okay. with your fifth. I'll tell you. I'll tell you who I'm going to lead off with. And this was a tough decision because there there are two guys that I glommed onto after the Jordan uh, era. Um, guys, I liked. You know watching ball anyway but uh I, I decided to pick one over the other um so i'm going with tim duncan at number five. Oh, solid choice um just simply because like he was a guy who literally did every everything correct like there it was just i mean there's a reason they call him big fundamental like he and and i just loved his bank shot which i can never replicate but it was absolutely gorgeous yeah, Tim Duncan, solid. Very, very solid. That's crazy. Like, I would say, like, you could put uh, David Robinson in there, the Admiral. Next well, that was too. the, that's the, like, between him and David Robinson. And obviously, David Robinson was a little bit, like, I mean, he was still around. Like, obviously, they, they ran together. Um, but uh, between the two of them, I, I went with Tim Duncan yeah, over David Robinson. For sure. My number five is, oh, not in my house. <laughs> Dikembe okay. Mutombo. And, again, it's tough to pick a big man, but the reason Dikembe was one of my favorites is because he had that personality and the guy was freaking good. He played on Denver and he played in Atlanta, and then he bounced around for after that. But he was never, like, the premier guy. It was always, like, the big guy, and he always got numbers. And I remember those Hawks games when he got banned from doing the finger-waving right. and all that stuff. And, you know, and I also love it because uh, non-basketball-related, the Geico commercials where he's going through the grocery store blocking 100%. people is straight money. Best, and I, best Geico commercial oh, they've ever It done. is great. And then the other part is – uh, I used uh, we used to have this software program that I was working on, and one of the pieces of software was to block your code from being deployed. And I named it Dikembe Mutombo as the project <laughs> name uh, because it would be no, 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 not in my house. The code wouldn't cause bugs before you go up there. So Dikembe Mutombo was a classic, classic shot blocker. And again, yeah. it's like it, a lot of the stuff you'll find from me is coming from the era where it was hard defense hard mm -hmm. defense and rebounds and that's that was a key to the game there so yeah i mean you? i my my number four then uh was a debate actually because i i thought about putting matumbo in there because i i genuinely enjoyed him growing up but uh i went with another big man which you honorably mentioned but that most definitely belongs in my top five is Akeem Olajuwon. Oh, for sure. Um, it's I mean, tough not to keep him in your top five. Akeem was it, a humble, humble player. He was. Oh, awesome. that and I mean, honestly, like, had it not been for Michael Jordan, like, probably would have been, you know, not that he wasn't obviously a huge player, but uh, probably would have been significantly bigger than what he was had it not been for the Bulls dynasty. If the Bulls, if Jordan didn't come back, I probably think that. Houston would have probably won four in a row. It's entirely possible. Just because of Clyde Drexler and all that teams. And then they brought Barkley in and stuff like that, which Barkley was aging, but still. But yeah, they had Ori. Like that team was there. They had just had to keep it there. That's a that's an admirable number four. 
Um, my number four is a number five as well. It's one of the greatest. It's your new head coach for the Georgetown Hoyas. Oh, you uh, didn't want to go with Greg Ostertag? No, not Greg Ostertag or Eric Montrose. Uh, it <laughs> is Rick Smits. Dude, all great centers, all great centers. The Flying Dutchman knows what he does. <laughs> um, but none other than my who I am named after, a Mr. Patrick Ewing. Mm-hmm. Patrick Ewing, like, it sucks that he never won a championship, but he was the quintessential uh, guy that was aggressive. Him and Oakley on those those Knicks teams, you know, I hated John Starks, but I think – those championship games when we saw them play the Bulls, it was awesome because he was the perfect like Goliath to be against, you know, Jordan, Scotty, and the Bulls and mm-hmm. Horace. Like and dude was dude played hard, dude ball hard a lot. Oh yeah. I mean for like whatever reason, I I didn't hate Patrick Ewing anywhere near as much as I hated John Starks. Right, 100%. <laughs> and to be fair, uh, th- one of the reasons that uh, Alonzo Mourning is even on my list, a lot of it is because of Alonzo Mourning and Larry Johnson, Del Curry, the Hornets, but Alonzo Mourning was a Georgetown Hoya. You right. know, Patrick Ewing was what got me into Georgetown at first, and then Alonzo, and then Iverson, and all those players that came there, but... Uh, who's your number three? Number three is simple. It, it's LeBron. Steve Francis. No. <laughs> oh, because it would have been perfect. Le- or Marbury. LeBron James. Yeah, uh, and th- there's no need to defend that whatsoever. It, well, because he's your favorite. Tell me why he's your favorite. Not I, uh, not tr- necessarily needing to you to, to defend it, but why is he your favorite or third favorite? He's the most dominant player on the planet, and he can play all five positions he can do any literally anything you ask of him on a basketball court and honestly and coach and coach because he's the smartest guy on the floor and on the bench at any given time uh he's i mean it's and you know factor in the amount of scrutiny that he's under like growing like had he come up 25 years ago it would have been a totally different ball game like people would be celebrating him i'm sure the same way as they celebrate jordan yeah. It's just a it's just a different age right now. So like he has so much of the oh well is he as good as Jordan? Is you know, oh Jordan would never do this, you know, like LeBron a has a bad game, game in the playoffs. Game. It's like like the 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 you know, the standards that he's held to uh aren't necessarily, you know, I wouldn't say fair. I mean it, 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 I should say like he's a great I mean, he's one of the all time greats. Uh he's probably a top you know, at the, at the end of his career, assuming things play out and he continues on the same trajectory, he's probably a top two or three all-time NBA player. Right. And I think the reason he gets that scrutiny is because he came in and he was, uh, he kind of was that top dog, even at uh, as a high school kid, mm-hmm. where Michael had to earn it. And, like, his magic was there, you know, and Bert. Like, there were people that were there. And I'm not saying that this, now that there's people that aren't competitive to him, but it's just... You know, there's not that high proliferation of players that are like that, but he's just a hybrid of like all of these players, though, because like he can do all the things that Magic could do. He can do all the things that Jordan could do. He can play. He can play center if he wants to play. Yep. It's it's just incredible to watch. It's great to be a student of the game, and I think so. He came out in 2003, so they stopped doing Mm -hmm. the high school stuff after that. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember watching on ESPN two or maybe three the St. Vincent, St. Mary's, like, high school games, like the academy games when they were showing them, like, insane, absolutely insane. 
my number three has got to be the man that we call the worst golf shot ever, <laughs> Sir Charles. Salute, Mister Charles Barkley. Um, and we might go a little long on this because we got a lot of great people to talk about. Oh, here. we do. Yeah. So I'm not. We don't want to shut this. Yeah, down. we don't want to do this. But Sir Charles, and the reason he's my favorite is, like, I remember watching the NBA Inside stuff uh, and getting those DVDs as a kid. <laughs> and, and like he had all those quotes and he plays the dumb bumbly buffoon well but his analysis is actually smart now is it smart all the time no but a lot of the time it's pretty correct and he played with that physical elbows up style of rebounding that was amazing chuck was great and if i oh, could yeah. still find a pair of barclays in size 15 nike if you're listening please send them to oh this podcast publicity here yeah and then Space Jam was awesome. And Dream Team, there's a reason he was on there. Um, again, sad that he didn't win. Yeah, bummer yeah. for that. But uh, yeah, certainly a, a worthy a worthy of a top five list, I think, of favorite Round, players. Round of rebound. Oh, yeah. So as as I alluded to previously, my number two, uh, Vince Carter. Right. Um, you, you're not, you're, and it's not because he's the, uh, greatest basketball player of all time or anything like that, but he might have been the one of the most dynamic dunkers. I mean, a Hall of Fame player for sure, um, but watching him in the dunk contests is absolutely spellbinding. Oh, like yeah. You, it's, you know, people always talk about, you know, like the Jordan and Olajuwon dunk contests, and those are obviously spectacular. Uh, he's right up there with it for like sure. Seeing, I mean, the guy's putting his elbow through the hoop and hanging, you know, hanging on the rim, like doing things that people just the, the competition couldn't keep up with. And he was um, like six five. He wasn't that tall. He's he's pretty. He's like six. Uh, I don't know what maybe they, six what five six he's six. Officially listed at, but uh, he's probably shrunk in old age now. Sure, sure. Because you always <laughs> go down. But he was a true shooting guard. Like when the shooting guard was valuable. Yeah, they've got him listed at six six. He's probably six five. He's yeah. probably like a like a Jordan size uh, six six. Because Jordan wasn't actually six six either. But to put your elbow in the rim, you've got to be getting eleven yeah. feet at least. You know, another more, another yeah. fantastic North Carolina player. Oh yes. And, and I actually think, went back. And I think he got his degree too. I think he went back to went back to school and finished out. More power to him. That's awesome. Yeah. But uh, uh, I mean, dude, still balling the day. Like I, m- my my friend Mikey Wild and uh, and I are are big Vince Carter fans. I have a Vince Carter bobblehead from uh, from him as a gift, and uh, just waiting for him to finally say he's going to retire so that we can say, hey, let's go see Vince Carter play. Like we want to go catch one of his last games, but the dude just keeps playing. Sure. 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 <laughs> it's like, like three years ago, we were like, all right, we got to go see, like we went up, we bought tickets to a Suns and bucks game because he was playing for the Suns, And we're like, Oh shit. Like this might be one of our last times to go see Vince Carter play. And well, and behold, he's still out there on a, on a bench, like telling, telling young kids to get off his lawn. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. I think for my number two, it's it's only fitting that we go and keep that uh, Tar Heel blood going on this. And it's like, at guard, 6'6", Michael Jordan. Number two for Number you? two. And Michael changed the game and is one of the best basketball players and had so many movies about him and led the team and led the Bulls and led the charge and everything like that. And there's nothing that can say... Uh, that I can take and, you know, put against him. And that's a tough thing to say. And 
I think the only knock that I have on him is he went and played baseball. And that's why I have someone above him. But Michael Jordan revolutionized how basketball is played, work ethic, everything like that. Like it's a cultural icon, a fashion icon. It's just absolutely amazing as what he did for the game of basketball. Mm -hmm. Um, But then also what he did for the Chicago Bulls and inspiring generations and also his team. He, the, the best thing that I think Michael did and what made him my favorite was he was able to, um, for better or worse, get anybody to participate and work hard and draw the best out of his teammates. So that's one of the main reasons that he's – you can't put him on the list. You can't not have, have him on the list. And he should be number one, but I have another one. Well, so, I mean, maybe, maybe – how do you know that I've left him off? Because my number one's John Paxson. Interesting. Okay. No, it's not. I'm lying. It's Jordan. Okay. I was going to say, <laughs> you know, he hit the shot in Phoenix series. So. He did. He did. And I actually, I, I was, I did enjoy myself some John Paxson, also some Steve Kerr. Dickie uh, Simpkins? No. Stacy no, King? So Dickie Simpkins. Um, Stacey. Ron Harper. But uh, I was a, obviously, uh, growing up in that time frame, there was no avoiding it. I mean, you if you, I mean, we live living in Chicago. It's like you, Jordan was it. Right. Jordan was everything. Like it was heartbreaking as a child. Like no, like when he retired the first time you're like, well, why did he do this? There's some various theories as to why that, that actually occurred. Sure. But, uh, um, you Conspiracy know, the, theories. Sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like just being like a little kid and like just in elementary school and be like, well, why did why did he decide to stop playing? Like they just won. Like why would you quit when you just won? Um, and you know, just and then the the whole baseball thing. I remember watching, you know, like bits and pieces of like minor league games because like they would get coverage on like spring training games and stuff when Jordan was playing, and it was like just just weird watching. Like, hey, this is like the best basketball player in the world, and he's out there trying to play baseball. This is strange. And then you got the comeback. You got obviously the, the second three Pete. Um, then you got wizards time, which was something, yeah. <laughs> but uh, gr- as a kid growing up, I mean, there's really no, no really way, you know, good way around it. I mean, Jordan was everything. Yeah. And that, that, you know, it's tough to take and put somebody above him as a favorite all time. And that's why, you know, he's high here. But the person that I put above him as my number one was his running mate. It was number 33. It was Scotty. Mm-hmm. It was Scotty Pippen. And the reason I picked him is from, like, early on, like, Scotty was always a forward. And he could shoot. And his defense, when not as great, Jordan got on his ass about it. And he got to be... Well, again, if you haven't heard from any of my discussions about podcasts or anything like this on previous episodes, I love the defensive era of the NBA, and Scottie Pippen was one of the best. Jordan became also the best at it, too, because he was in a duel with Scottie to become that. But right. it was also, think about it, like in, growing up in Chicago when you were on the, the street, or not the streets, on the streets playing basketball, everybody wanted to be Jordan, so somebody had to be Scotty. So I was like, I'll be Scotty Pippen. And <laughs> I remember, you know, always watching it because being a bigger kid growing up, you always like, okay, yeah, me, I'm not going to be the shooting guard and have this down the court. So you figure out who could you be like. You know, it's sad that I didn't even have Horace Grant or Bill Cartwright or, you know, Will Purdue or no, Bill I, Weddington. I just wanted to be Randy Brown. Yep. Sit on, sit on the end of the bench, get my ring. 
Dude. Dickie Simpkins. <laughs> Stacy King <laughs> eats a lot of cheeseburgers. So, yeah, that's my list. That rounds out the top five there. Anything, no, not bad. Not anything bad. that other, shocks other, you? What's that? Anything that shocks you on mine? I mean, yours was pretty chalk. Like, they're pretty chalk. It's hard to take and make a top five when there's so many good ones. Right. I mean, obviously, there's players that I love that I didn't put in my top five favorite players. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, right now, um, it's it's just striking to me, I think, going to like the lack of players in this era. And I don't think that's a knock on some of the players of this era. I think it's just a matter of reference. Like I think in 10 years, we might look back at a Steph Curry or a Durant um, or Westbrook, like guys like that who like are doing insane things right now in the league. Like I didn't, I left Kobe off of both my honorable mentions and my NBA players. It's not a, it's not a slight to him. I think Kobe is one of the best players that's ever played the game. Um, I just, you know, didn't, in, I didn't enjoy it as much. Like for sure, for sure. I do not like, if you put me like right now and like said, Kobe came in as a rookie right now and I watched it for the next 15 years or 20 years, like I would probably put Kobe in my, my top five, but it's just like going through and watching the guys that I watched when I grew up, like, and, and through this point, it's like, these are the guys that, you know, I gravitated to. Yeah. It kind of makes sense why like they have that like grace period for the hall of fame. Right. Like they have that five year was it five years for the MLB Hall of Fame and stuff like that? It's I think five for MLB. I'm just like NBA, say, I, the the NBA Hall of Fame is just a basketball Hall of Fame, so it's kind of a hodgepodge of everything. Well, I was just saying like that's why they have the five years on the MLB, so you can you can evaluate somebody's career away from the game. Like you can say like their career body of work like after they're done. So yeah, I think that's an interesting thing because yeah, I wouldn't put necessarily uh, you know Steph Curry as on this list right now because he's still doing stuff you know this all these guys are done mostly done i think they're all done yes they're all not for me but from from my list they're all done but vince is vince is gonna get his title one of these days him and Kenyon martin are gonna come back and (laughs) vince is vince is gonna go sit on the end of the bench in golden state and get a get a ring dude you fault him for that (laughs) hell no i would love it because i'm i'm out here i'd go i'd go pay the fucking $150, $200 to go watch a Golden State game if Vince was playing. Have you been a fan for your entire life of Golden State? Yeah, two years. They've been there for two years. Ever ever (laughs) since Vince Sanity came. Right. That's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Patrick, now that we've adjourned through our top five, let us adjourn into another topic. We must end it with a... Okay. Now we've got to get into something heavy. Okay. Very heavy? Like Very, super heavy? A, a philosophical uh, moral debate. Okay. On something that really, like like I said before, it, it's... Uh, Thomas it, it, Jefferson. It, it, Thomas Jefferson once said it, but uh, I think it's just a, uh, an overall test of one's moral fiber. Um, what's the best way to cut a sandwich? And how do you cut your sandwich? <laughs> How do you cut your cheese? Nope, sandwiches. We're doing sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the cheese is part of it. The, the so cheese is part of it, maybe. yes. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Peanut butter and cheese. Peanut butter and Gruyere sandwich. <laughs> yeah, can, we, can you get a like, peanut butter and cream cheese sandwich? Oh, God. <laughs> okay, so my question also is, what are we constituting sandwiches as? Are they two pieces of bread? Like I don't, I don't want to get into that debate. Okay, because Th- that could take in, like, because I cut burritos differently than I cut... Because we're gonna we're gonna be 
I'll, I'll allow just about anything that one considers to be a sandwich because I don't want to get into that hot dog debate necessarily. Okay. So we <laughs> hot dog. Interesting. So literally today we took and posted uh, these questions to the interwebs and our mm-hmm. Facebook crew and shout out to Mikey and my brother, Chris, who were able to give out some responses. I haven't checked any other lately, but I find that I'm in the the not the no of this uh, sandwich cutting realm. I you're, go. You're, you're getting the frog is wrong. I, I'm getting frog is wrong. I am literally 100. percent I go rectangles 100 percent all the time. I don't mess with triangles because I don't know if diagonal. I don't. I've never Does gotten the Pythagorean that. Pythagorean theorem scare you that much, or well, because one's gonna be a triangle, one's gonna be like a triangle, but then with like a kind of a lo- like a loopy thing on it. It's not gonna be a full like. It's not gonna be right angle triangles in the entire time. So you're cutting it straight down the middle, no no angle. Straight down the middle, no angle, and that's if it's loaf bread. Now, if we take and do rolls, that's a different thing. Well, but, there's some, yeah, there's some very serious, uh, you know, uh, caveats to this whole thing. Because, yeah. yeah, I think it does vary based on the bread and or type of sandwich. Does it base on the bread, like, in terms of, like, loaf or roll? Or does it mean, like, could you cut white bread sandwiches diagonal, then wheat bread, you go straight side by side, but then you get, like, a no, seven nut like and the, a honey like oat? A, like, standard sandwich style bread, like a Wonder Bread. Um, like I'm cutting that diagonally. Interesting. Am I just like, am I, am, am I the one who's eating glue on this one? Like, I, I don't think what it's it, wrong. I mean, I've certainly cut my sandwich that in that manner. Uh, but for whatever reason, I think that, I think it's a presentation thing. The diagonal just gives it that, that certain flair that, uh, um, you know, you know, that like you're getting a sandwich that's been, you know, a little care has been put into it. Like anyone could just hack it right down the middle, you know, straight up and down and, and say, Hey, here's your two chunks of sandwich. The the diagonal gives it a little, a little bit of a different edge. Yeah. So how do you do a club sandwich? Is the club sandwich going to be diagonal? Or be- the club sandwich is a double diagonal. That's an X. It's an what the hell are you talking about? That's, That's going just to a quarters, square, dog. straight squares. It's going to quarters. So I would go, yes. Four- Quarter triangles. Oh, wow. Where yeah. have you ordered a square club sandwich? The Jewel, every other club sandwich <laughs> place I've ever been to. Well, Jewel is wrong too. You give it the, the it's going to be an X. Damn, it's be triangles. Does it increase the flavor? I I don't know if it does. I I guess I should I should have to put them side by side. Put the put the two ingredients. Uh, you know, give me all the same ingredients and then cut it differently. Let's put them in a taste test. Yeah, I think this is true. Like, because right now I'm picturing George Costanza. People say you eat ostrich. It's healthier for you, but you eat more of it. That's kind of like this whole debate with if you cut it down, you eat more. <laughs> it's healthier for you, but you eat more. So like, do, you, do you think like cutting it one way or the other is one way or the other is classier than another way? I don't think it's classier. I don't think that this is one that's like completely arbitrary. Like I don't think it's as like our – tying your shoelaces conversation where that's conditioned into you like if i want to fucking cut a a sandwich by diagonal right now Mm -hmm. i can go do that i'm a man i can make a sandwich i'll go make a sandwich right now and cut it it. okay well i'll do it (laughs) after this and i'll cut it diagonal and have it and taste it but like that's a piece of loaf bread there's no reason why i don't do one way or the other i'm just curious like because do you are you diagonal and straight away that's it or is it I'm, I'm diagonal I would say I mean ninety 
I would say probably 98% of the sandwiches that I've had. Holy moly. Really? Yeah. Um, I mean, some of that was just, it was the way it was prepared for me. I mean, I certainly got the times where it was just two chunks of sandwich, you know, uh, two rectangles. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, the, the diagonal, uh, was, was always one that, uh, I gravitated towards. Um, do you think it now here's a, here's an interesting thought that I was having, um, does toasting the bread make a difference in the way that you cut it? Yes. If it's toasted, I cut it diagonally. It's so see, that's what I'm saying. I agree. I 100% agree. Yeah. Like if I, if I, ain't nobody got, got regular, time to cut it rectangly, if it's co- toasted, that's just, that's a rule one. Yeah. There's a way better chance of, and it's still not a good chance, but a way better chance of me cutting it, you know, just into rectangles if it's not toasted bread, but if it's, if it's toasted, it's going in a diagonal. And here's an interesting part. I will toast the sandwich that I would toast the bread. If it's bread from a loaf for a sandwich, okay. but I will never get a toasted Quiznos or Subway sandwich. Really? Yeah, I, will, I won't. I ain't got time a, to worry about that. A Subway crap. sandwich. Yeah, I don't trust those w- waves of shit that they're pumping into that. Like, well, the problem with the with the Subway sandwiches when they toast them is that they always get over toasted, right? Get burnt, and I'm I don't like a burnt bread. I like I will. That that pretty much like or even even too crispy, like crispier than normal, like. That's a, rips that's your a mouth. It rips me. your mouth. Up. Yeah. Now, um, what if you had a toasted Subway sandwich that was cut diagonally? Let that ruminate for a second. That would that would change things a little bit. I wish Subway would cut it diagonally. It would give it give it a little bit more flair. Yeah. See, I think the 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 key to this conversation happens with uh, the bread going from a non toasted to a toasted. We we know that there's a tra- transition right there. Non-toasted, it's okay to do rectangles. When you go to toasted, it means you're going to want to take and do this. Now, if you're in a sub, you're probably going horizontal just because of the sheer physics of that. You can't go diagonal unless you cut it first, then go diagonal. I don't I'm gonna, very often. I mean, I'm usually, I mean, if, if sometimes, like, I'll get the I'll get the footlong sub, and every now and again, like at Subway, I'll tell them just don't cut it. Okay. Like I don't want the I don't want two sixers. I want the full the full uh, eleven and a half. Money. Yeah, yeah. So my question is an existential question from that lead up, right? So we got toast non toasted rectangle. Toasted is always diagonal. Subways subs generally cut in half, if not mm-hmm. cut at all. Grilled cheese. Grilled cheese diagonal always. Now, crust. That's that is an interesting question. Um, I will keep the crust on every sandwich unless it's grilled cheese. Really? You'll, so you'll take the crust off of a grilled cheese? Because you can still dip that in ketchup. It's you, part of the meal still. You dip, your, whoa, 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 whoa. you dip your grilled cheese in ketchup? Sometimes, when the mood strikes me right. Why? <laughs> because that's what you do. This is a conversation for another day. I don't. We, we, could, we could go down a, a rabbit hole here because that just... That astounds me, but I mean, I, it's I've not a lot the, of ketchup, but you get a little. I've, I've seen the. I've have you not ever tomato had tomato soup? soup? Yeah, it's but just it's not, tomato soup and tomato ketchup are not equal. You can make tomato just because they're a tomato-based product doesn't mean that you can make if you're hood and you need to. You can make tomato soup out of ketchup, hot water and ketchup. Boom! That is not tomato soup. Sir. Dorm soup, right there. <laughs> Frick yeah. You call that rest stop soup. You just if you're broke, just go get that free hot water that they have for the coffee at some of those rest stops. 
sold it, hot water. It sounds like ketchup. you've done this before. I've been on road trips. I'm a man. I'm an adult. I'm a, I've been on many road trips, Patrick, and I literally have never mixed ketchup and hot water together to make any form of sustenance. Dude, you're not living. I, I think I I think I'm living the right way. No, but if you had a grilled cheese sandwich, you'd be like, man, I could use some tomato soup here. If you no, don't, there's too much sugar in the ketchup. I bet if we had some Campbell's God, soup God right damn here, it. We, we are way off topic. We got to go back to crust because yeah. this is this is a conversation. But We're that's how it enhances the crush. This, this topic <laughs> going back to crust. Uh, I used to leave. I wouldn't peel the crust necessarily or cut the crust off, but I would leave part of it. So like I would eat you know, three sides of the crust and leave one edge. See, if you cut, and th- and that's the thing too, a grilled cheese sandwich when you cut diagonally gives you four total crusts, right? If you cut it rectangularly, you get six crusts. And if you don't like six crusts, <laughs> you know, the, who's got time for that, right? I don't, uh, I'm, I'm not. I... Six crust pieces. You're not touching that? I don't, I don't care enough about the crusts. Like that's so like, if it's a very like heavy bread, like a, like a very heavy crust on the bread, I'll, I'll still leave that. I'll leave that behind. Like, I don't, I don't want like the, the end of it necessarily. Like if it's, if there's an edge that's like very crunchy or like just is too much crust, too much girth on the outside, I'm going to let that go. I'm going to, I'm going to donate that one to the birds or, or whatever uh, animal that might be laying around wherever sure, I may be eating sure. my sandwich. What do we think about French toast? Is that a sandwich? It's technically an egg sandwich. No, it, it, it's a not a sandwich until sandwich. you put something between it. What if you put some bacon on there? Then, yeah, it probably is closer to a sandwich. And in that case, I would eat it just whole instead yeah, of that, cutting that would be an excellent sandwich. But, again, I don't want to debate the the origins of the sandwich because we could. that'll be an entire show. What, a ba- what about a bagel sandwich? See, that's Ooh, technically so a sandwich. No, no crusts on the on the bagel. It's sandwich. a circle. Yeah. How do you cut that? Hmm. You, you cut it in half so you could put stuff inside of it first. Yeah. There's no. There's. I mean, with a circle, the diagonal doesn't matter. And then what about a pita? Because that's like that's that's a. It's all crust. Like it's just a vessel for holding shit inside of now, it. Now, is the pita a full blown pita, or is it like with no slit, or is it like one that you have a little pocket in? Yeah, the, I'm thinking of the ones where you're taking hollow out the pocket, you put yeah, stuff see, in it. That's a that's a totally different uh, scenario there. You or like you a yeah, a gyro you where you cut just... that cut that circle, you know, the full pita in half, and then you have a pocket, but you can't cut anything else beyond that because then it just becomes a a mess. So the moral of the story is this debate should have been around loaf bread, and this <laughs> should have been like bound to that because you got a lot of different vehicles for delivering sandwich goodness sure. to your face. Okay, well, if if you consider a wrap a sandwich, some people may, some people may not. Um, but we'll, we'll say for the sake of argument, it is. Um, what about cutting that on a diagonal? I'll, I see that as a frequent presentation. I see that as a frequent presentation, but it's not a full diagonal. It's a slightly askew miter rectangular diagonal in the middle. It's still, it's more diagonal than just hacking it right down the middle where shit's just falling out. Yeah, I hack that it. Bottom, it. It gives that extra surface area for the toppings to hang out and it will it allows it so that it doesn't just completely fall apart everything falls out in your hands whereas if you just hack that thing down the middle everything's gonna go spilling out 
man, it, I must be really stupid or just like stuck in my ways or not thinking about it. But unless it's toasted or grilled cheese, I cut it straight rectangular 100%. (laughs) You know, that's, I don't know if that puts me on some sort of like, man, he's slow. We won't, we won't need to talk (laughs) to him. Get on the remedial (laughs) list. Yeah. It's like he, oh, he's from Canada. (laughs) Um, list or anything like that but damn i didn't realize that there was all these different things man i remember eating like a straight up bologna oscar meyer bologna and cheese sandwich and that was you know white bread diagonally with a slice of craft american whatever you know cheese product like that is like a that was a standard like weekend lunch but you know as a as a young kid obviously like bologna you you grow out of that because then you realize hey this is kind of nasty but uh yeah. um yeah i mean like it was it was i would say 9.9 times out of 10 diagonal that bad boy jesus i my my mind is opened i'm just trying to think too it's like because i'm thinking more about as an adult i purchase bread that's not square i purchase bread that is basically rectangular which mm-hmm. is more conducive for a center horizontal cut because then you're going to have oblong sized diagonal cuts versus sure. if you have a square piece of wonder bread, wholesome uh, square bread, you're going to have one side that's going to be a perfect right angle triangle. And then the other uh-huh. one that's going to be that kind of that marshmallow triangle. Um, <laughs> so here's a, here's an interesting thought. Uh, what a, So obviously a burger you're getting more often than not, you're getting a round patty, yep. round bun. What about that? Are you doing that on a diagonal? Are you doing that, uh, you know, kind of, you know, half and half? I don't. So with with a burger, like at a restaurant, um, like a big one, like a half pound burger or something like a pub burger. When you go there, my cut mark. I first off, let's agree that you always cut the burger so you don't make a mess. No, incorrect. I never Uh, cut the burger. Then you are dead wrong with that, sir. Never cut the wow. burger. Wow, it's, it's I a, always it cut the assembled. burger. It is a it is a family unit, and it's to be consumed in that manner. So I cut the burger at probably not fifty fifty. I cut it at ten percent right or left of the toothpick. Okay. So you have one edge. It's basically sixty forty. So the side that you cut off, you eat that first, while the other one's assembled. Then you go and get that. Usually that's if it comes with like a fried egg or any of that jazz sure. on it. Like, because I know it's, I have a beard. This is, see, that's what it comes down to. If you have a beard, you know, you have to cut your burger so you don't have shit showing up in your I, beard. I don't have a beard and I go down with the ship. If that thing comes together as one, I don't care what toppings are on it. I'm, I'm eating that thing. So as I don't one, even know if we're going to be able to, I don't cohesive, know. unless it's like a, a psycho burger from like Kuma's where it's got, you know, like the one that they just cover in chili where it's like you physically cannot eat it because it's a one bun with a patty and then some slop on top of it. Like that's less of a sandwich, sure, more, sure. more of a dish. But if it's a, if it's a burger that's got two buns, everything that falls in between it, that's all sticking together. I mean it that way. Interesting. Interesting. So uh, we want to thank everybody who's listened to Oh this podcast in terms of episode 17, because we're not going to have an episode 18 because we have really just disagreed on everything around this. Yeah, there, there, just... there are, we're getting the, the, the boot from the, from the network. No, they're, no, they're, I'm, they're I'm, gonna punt us. I'm totally kidding. I did not realize <laughs> that I was so off base with my burger eating. And by the looks of me, you know that I know my way around burgers so and sandwiches. <laughs> so maybe I just need to like open my eyes and see the sign, and it opened up my eyes again. 
<laughs> did I see the sign? I think you did. Okay, cool. Wow. Like, I think we have some more show topic ideas coming out of this, right? Oh, we're we're going to have some more debate out of this because I, I, there are some things I can't abide. Yeah, I'm curious to hear more about uh, from the general audience about what they think, too, because clearly we've seen diagonals come up there. The, the topic that I've seen a lot is diagonals and no crust, preferably no crust, if you have the option. Interesting. I feel sad. Well, Patrick, we can end it with a nice womp, 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 womp. this was fun this was a good one it was always a fun one it is always a fun one again uh thank you steve for joining us on oh this podcast uh it is our wednesday night we were drinking dogfish head uh if you haven't done so go to our website oh this podcast.com we got the support page there you can follow us on facebook twitter tell us tell your friends patrick up on twitter tell him about how he's wrong tell me how i'm wrong show me why i'm wrong um tell your friends tell the mailman tell the milkman uh tell your principals yeah milkman Uh, there's something like that tell your principal still delivers i think yeah tell your principal about the show uh share with your (laughs) friends online offline um yeah if you have any questions let us know steve what are we going to be talking about in the next couple episodes or the next episode uh, for for next week we've got uh some we got a little bit of a theme for next week go we're gonna we're gonna talk uh, first two segments. Uh, we're gonna be focused on the animal kingdom, my man, uh, because we got uh, we're gonna lead it off with some zoo stories, and that's uh, you know any basically times of uh, interesting animal or you know human interactions that we've had at at uh, one of the fine zoos in either the Midwest or around the you know the country or world. Or Matt Damon uh, movies about buying zoos. <laughs> Perhaps, perhaps we could be doing that as well. But then we're going to roll that into a delicious segment about the best animal in a leading role. And we will... Uh, in there, cinema. In, in cinema. So we are, we've got a, a great list going for that. So I'm very much looking forward to that segment. And then we're going to stick in the realm of cinema and finish it off with a, a little bit of a debate on the best Hollywood hacking movie and we got three contenders in this mix. We've got the net, we've got hackers, and we've got swordfish. And we've got a couple of different categories to uh, dive into. So we may have, uh, you know, one ranked higher than another in a given category, but uh, those are the three candidates. So I'm looking forward to uh, one having to watch those movies again, as if it's some difficult task. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, that will will definitely be a, a business edge to it. I have to take stock, take notes. I'll have my pen and paper out and, and handy whilst I watch these. That's awesome. Again, thank you for being here. It was our Chris Mullen episode, episode 17, and we will be doing episode 18 and beyond. This was a fun, yes, fun Yes, we just show. got renewed. We just got renewed. Our marketing department says we have uh, the ability to do so. Until next time, I am Steve. I am Patrick. And we are out. Out.